Welcome to Apostolic Church Revitalization with Rob McKee. This podcast is dedicated to restoring health and hope to the plateaued, stagnant, or dying church. Join us as we discuss the challenges and solutions of revitalization, church growth, and restoration. Be encouraged, church leaders. You can strengthen those things that remain and systematically lead your church into growth and revival. Welcome to the Apostolic Church Revitalization Podcast. This is Shara. And I'm Rob McKee. And we're going to jump right in to some questions. Basically, a scenario. Imagine with me, Rob, if you will, that you step into a brand new church situation that has kind of dwindled down, it's plateaued, it's dying, and you have come Finances are down, the the giving is down, uh, attendance is down. Yes, this is a church that needs revitalization. Right. And you've come in to save the day, but we all know it takes more than a day. Absolutely. This is not a quick fix thing. We live in a very uh, quick fix minded type of world, but the strategies that we're going to give you today are things that may take some time, so be patient. So before we talk about those, I think, Shara, it's important that we remind everyone you've got to be intentionally patient in seeing results. The average church revitalization takes five years. So if you're not prepared to stay at least five years, it's just going to take some time for you to see results. And the steps that we're going to go through, do they have to be done in order? No, not necessarily. I think you'll be able to read the situation and know what needs to happen next. Most pastors have a spiritual understanding of the environments that they're in, and I think the Spirit of God can direct you and help you to make wise choices. If you're praying, if you're reading the Word of the Lord, God will guide you in which direction that you should focus your efforts. Now, we might want to discuss this in a different episode, but just a question to throw out there. Are there certain personality traits or types that are more likely to be successful in this scenario than another. Yes, you must be a risk taker if you're going to revitalize the church. You have to be willing to make some decisions. You can get stuck in analysis paralysis and timing is critical. You've got to make some decisions that will impact people's lives and if you are fearful, you will not be willing to make those. So yes, You've got to be decisive. That makes sense. Okay, so let's start just from the beginning. What's one of the first things that you would do going into a situation such as we have described? First of all, we have to acknowledge why the church is in the condition that it's in. There are situations where pastors step in after another pastor has served for many, many years, but then continue to serve even after he had lost his passion and his burden for the work, and the church died of malnutrition. They just died because nothing was happening. The pastor was not passionate about it any longer. Other situations are a little bit more tumultuous, such as a pastor who is following another ministry leader who has fallen into moral failure or they've had an issue of conflict with families in the church and you're stepping into these volatile situations. What you do and how you do it would largely rely on understanding why the church is in its current condition. And then acknowledging it with the remaining membership. I think you need to at least say it out loud. We're in trouble. And if we continue on this path, we're not going to be around much longer. But at the same time, project vision and project hope. And the people that are still there are there for a reason. They're wanting to hold on to something. Give them a reason to hold on. 
Don't turn the remaining people into your punching bag. Understand these folks kept the church alive when people walked out. I realize that many times they do it out of stubbornness, they do it out of tradition, but we're in the people business. So you have to be patient with those people, uh, even if they are resisting change. Change is required. It's needed if you're going to revitalize this, uh, this work. There's something there that needs to be strengthened. Okay, so after we have acknowledged with the people what the problem is, at least be honest with them about the current condition and where you're headed, I think the second thing that we've got to do is get to know the people that remain. Do the hard work of visiting them, going out to their homes, connecting with them one-on-one. Many times these folks have been serving in a church where the pastor has lost his passion, and he may or may not have a personal connection with all, all the remaining membership. You may come to a point where you have to compete with that loyalty, and so it's impossible to do that if you have not connected with those people that remain. Don't you think that goes both ways? You want to take time to get to know them, but also be intentional about allowing them to get to know you. Yes. If there are challenges, the previous pastor may not have been honest with you. These people are going to give you a lot of information. They're going to give you the real story. So it is critical that you meet with these people and ask them, what do you believe is uh, the key to restoring the health of the church. Get to know the people. Know their story. Hear their stories. You also need to discern who has influence because it may not be the person with a ministry title. People in your congregation have influence in different ways and learning who has the leadership among your people, even if it's informal, I think it's also really important. Yeah. I mean, you may find that an elderly saint who holds no position with the church is the most influential person. So while you're working on trying to influence the church to accept some of these new changes that you need to implement quickly, it might not be about the entire church, the 12, the 13, 14, 15 people, or however many are remaining in the congregation. It might just be one or two individuals that you need to connect with and get buy-in from. And you can do that in a personal one-on-one level. You need to connect with these people. And I think it also sends another subtle message that they are valued, that they're important, that you're going to listen to their opinion. Now, you may not follow their advice, but at least you have given them a voice, and I think that's critical. So after you get to know the people, what would you do next? I think the third thing that that we would need to focus on, of course, first, be honest with the people, be honest with your assessment of what's going on, and inform them. You've got to change. Number two, uh, get to know the people, you know, connect with them on a one-on-one basis, go out to their house, take them to coffee, go to lunch. And then the third thing is you've got to review the data. You need to know the business of the church. There's three areas that you really need to know. What would that include? Well, I think, first of all, you need to look at your documents for your legality. Are you incorporated? Are you tax-exempt? Do you have articles of incorporation? And sometimes that can seem overwhelming, Mm -hmm. but you can um, look at other churches. And you may have some, and you should review them to see if you're in compliance with them. Uh, How about your bills, what your monthly obligations are? You need to know. I think you need to also review your giving statements uh, and your tithing. 
you need to take a look at who is contributing to the church and, and who's not. If you've got staff members, for example, that are not tithing, that's a conversation you're going to have to have and make some decisions on whether or not they remain in their position. And which that kind of goes back to, you're going to have to be confrontational. Even if it's not your nature, this is going to require those hard conversations and some hard cuts, maybe looking at the bottom line, how much money is coming in, going out, subscriptions, even giving may have to take a back seat while you get things squared away. Okay, I think the second thing that you need to review is your ministry roles. You need to find out who is serving and what position. Are they meeting some kind of obligation? Is there a ministry covenant for each of these positions? When you're starting, you can ask for a lot as the new pastor. Sometimes there's an expectation that as a new pastor comes in, most people are much more willing to accept hard decisions. And so you can make the statement that I'd like to ask everyone to resign from their position, and we're going to go back to the basics. We're going to go back to the core purpose of the church, and so we're asking everyone to step down from your position so that we can make a fresh start for this local church. So something along those lines, the important thing is do not overpromise. Don't make promises. If you've got a staff member that's working for the church and they're earning a salary, don't promise them that they can continue earning that salary until you know all the data. I wouldn't make any promises at least for the first month or two because you don't know what kind of bills are coming in. You don't know if you can afford it. All right, Roll. what else would you review? The third thing that we would need to review is our membership requirements. This often gets overlooked the first year. It's one of the first things that a new pastor needs to address. Or maybe if you're just starting the revitalization process, but you've been pastoring for a while, you just realize, I need to make some changes. It's going to be difficult because, again, people have built in expectations of what your leadership style is and what you've allowed in the past. So you will have to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with your church and let them know this is this is the reality. If we keep going this way, if we keep having church this way, keep operating the business this way, uh, we're not going to exist for uh, much longer. And so you have a sort of a window of time that you can make some very difficult decisions and membership has got to be included in this consideration. What makes a member of your church? Do you have a membership directory? There's a good chance that most of those people are no longer members. Perhaps they've even transferred to another church, moved out of town, died. And you need to take another look at your membership requirements. And I think also your membership processes. How does one become a member? Is that written down somewhere? And do the people that are currently considering themselves to be members, do they know how they became a member? Is it just attendance? Is that really all that it takes to be a member? Most of the membership requirements that I've seen from pastors in churches include all sorts of things like must maintain the fruit of the Spirit. But the truth is no one has ever been kicked out of the choir or declared not a member because they weren't meek. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of those things that we're including on the membership requirements are just white noise. It's time to simplify it. Take it down to one page. Ask yourself, if you're the leader, do you know verbatim exactly what it takes to be a member of the church? I had that experience, and I was giving answers to someone one Sunday, and I realized that I was giving similar answers but different answers. Two different families expressed interest in becoming a part of our congregation. I responded to both of them and realized that the answers were different. So right off the cuff, early on, you need to establish what are the requirements for membership. 
And we have actually four. I'll go ahead and share those. Or why don't you share them? What are the four requirements for membership? The four requirements for membership at our church, the POK, to obey the simple gospel, which is uh, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The second is be faithful to every scheduled service to the best of your ability. And we do have an accountability system in place to call in or text in, email in if you're going to be absent. The third is be faithful in tithe and offering. And number four is refrain from gossip. Okay, so four requirements for membership. Now, if you notice, there are many, many, many other things that we can include in that, such as our Christian lifestyle, our Christian testimony. However, all of those things are addressed from the pulpit. We also address them with our ministry covenants, individual ministry covenants. Uh, I think looking at membership and making sure that everyone understands what membership is required. It could be a sermon series. It could be a meeting, a church meeting, and where you discuss these things and get so the buy-in. Would you immediately decide what the requirements are and begin to communicate that right away? You could certainly begin that discussion and talk to a few folks, but over the first two or three weeks, you need to establish what it takes to be a member and going forward, you need to decide what you would perceive as correctable issues. If you cannot discipline it, you cannot correct it, uh, or you don't know what a membership requirement means, then it's silly to put it on the requirement. Make it as simple as possible. All right, so let's move on. We've spent a lot of time on number two. We probably won't get through all these today. This will be a, a, another podcast, but let's go ahead and let's do one more. How about that? So we've already done uh, three. Let's get up to four. All right. So what would you say the fourth thing to do would be? The fourth thing should be to focus on spiritual breakthrough. If you're an apostolic or Pentecostal church, we have a unique ability to have a spiritually active breakthrough in every service. So even if you don't finish your message, if the service schedule is not completed, make sure that at some point in that service, you have a spiritual breakthrough. I would call it a kaboom moment. Uh, move Some of God. Some people would be surprised to hear you say that as a priority as opposed to making sure you had service schedules and service leaders and, you know, the right equipment, all of these things. But you're saying if you focus on the spiritual things first, then all those other things will come easier? Yes, all that stuff comes in time. It's easy to become overwhelmed with a lot of those things. So a spirit-filled church... Keep the main thing, the main thing. Uh, yeah, the spiritual church, the greatest asset we have is a move of the Holy Ghost. Having a moment where the Spirit of God moves and people are weeping or people are rejoicing and there's just a deep move of the Spirit, I think, is so important. It's something that you necessarily cannot plan, but when you start to feel that, pastors, church leaders, you need to follow it. Don't become so rigid with your, your service schedule or your program that you move past those Holy Ghost moments, especially in the beginning. People have got to feel the Holy Ghost or feel God when they come to church. And then you begin to establish that as an expectation. Yes, as a culture. It's, Not a rarity, but yeah, a normality. Yeah. yeah, a move of the Holy Ghost or a breakthrough moment has got to become part of your church culture, and people just begin to expect it. So this is a good place to stop. We've discussed a lot. We'll pick up on the rest of this conversation in the next podcast. We've shared with you four things that you should focus on in your first few months of pastoring a church in need of revitalization. So a quick review. Number one, have a honest, upfront conversation with the church. Number two, connect with the remaining congregation. 
go out to eat with them, drink coffee, get their ideas, their buy-in, talk to them about what they believe is the pathway out. And then number three, review all of the data. Review the business, the finances, the bills, bylaws, uh, your giving, your tithing, your checking, all the statuses of your accounts. Review your ministry requirements. And then the fourth one, the final one that we dealt with was to focus on a spiritual breakthrough in every service. All right. Thank you so much. Anything else you'd like to share? Nope, I revitalized <laughs> Hey, thank you for being a part of this podcast and we will see you next time on Apostolic Church Revitalization. See you soon.